Welcome to the Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those who are sick of listening to boring stats all the time. My name is Bobby, and I'll be your host. With me are my co-hosts and my good friends, John. I've only made the playoffs once. Kirkner and Paul. I panic trade far too often in Orlando. Buckle the fuck up because you are about to win or lose your fantasy week. Before we get started, I just want to. Give us all a little credit here. This is our first episode, and I think we all need to give ourselves a pat on the back. A lot of people talk about doing sports shows, starting sport podcasts, and we've done it before, but we're some of the few that have actually done it. So this is a big Here we step. are, baby. Here we are. So it's a big step, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. So without further ado, let's get this thing started. We have the Monday night games on right now. We'll talk about those more towards the end of the podcast. First game of this week started off amazing. Great matchup. Chargers, two top five quarterbacks, depending on who you ask, Mahomes and Herbert. And the game definitely did not let down. Herbert had a solid game. Mahomes had a solid game. John, I'm going to start with you. What stood out to you? I think the biggest thing that's scaring me right now is the Justin Herbert rib injury, actually. I think that the Chargers' success really relies on the charge or on, on Justin Herbert. I don't even know who their backup is, so that's really scary, unless, of course, you are an Austin Eckler owner. He might see the ball more, but just you're already dealing with age and wear and tear with the receivers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Gerald Everett's old. Eckler's 27. You have a young Justin Herbert that you were really expecting to stay healthy, and I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. It doesn't seem like it's a long injury but uh, yeah i'm just worried about the chargers right now i i was really high on them in the offseason and those expectations are starting to decrease a little bit yeah i definitely think obviously if herbert is out for an extended amount of time or even a few games obviously the offense needs to be downgraded a little bit across the board in my opinion paul what do you think about the chargers with the herbert injury and just other things that stood out to you fantasy wise from the game yeah, I think anytime you lose a quarterback with the caliber of Justin Herbert at the helm, it's going to hurt everyone on the Chase Daniels is actually the backup quarterback, a journeyman who's been in the league for some time. The vet, um, Daniels. Yeah, the vet. There he is. But, <clears throat> yeah, if you're an owner of any Los Angeles Charger, definitely not as confident as you were with Justin Herbert at the helm. I think Eckler's super safe. But I love Gerald Everett now. Backup quarterbacks. Look for their safety blanket, and that is their tight end. Everett is a very athletic tight end, probably one of the most athletic tight ends in the league, who already has a team point for it seems. Oh, God. Let's go! Is that Quez? Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Anytime touchdown score, Quez Watkins. Money, money! Money! (laughs) Go, Birds! And I agree, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) That was a 53-yard bomb from Jalen Hurts to Quez Watkins, if you guys are watching the game right now. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Is it 14 zip now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, 53 yards to Quez Watkins, leads the receiver. He catches it in the end zone. 14-0. Okay, Paul. Sorry about that. That's just what you get when you watch the Monday Night Football game with the iTest podcasters here. That's just what you get. Especially when your favorite team's playing Monday night. But, Paul, you were saying about Gerald Everett. Did you finish your thought? Or Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think he's going to be a super safe tight end one for the rest of the year. 
I happen to agree with you, Paul, about the Gerald Everett's tight end one thing too. He has a little, he has a couple of those like plays every now and then where you're like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why'd you do that? But overall, he's definitely, especially with a solid quarterback and maybe a backup quarterback coming in now on a good offense, he could definitely have some tight end one numbers going ahead. So talked about the charge a little bit. Not much more to note. Keenan Allen injury hasn't been updated yet, so we don't really know what's going on with his hamstring yet. But Let's move over to the Chiefs. Mahomes had a decent game, 200 yards, two touchdowns. But what stood out to me was Clyde Edwards-Alaire having another big game. Not yeah. a big game. That's but my guy. Again. So I know Paul owns him in one of our leagues. So, Paul, let me hear it. What do you think about Clyde Edwards-Alaire now? Now it's been two weeks in a row that he's played. I love him as a safe RB2. Is the volume there? Not necessarily. But he is a proven pass catcher through two weeks. And when he runs, that man runs hard. He is a key asset in this offense. And Mahomes said in the very beginning of the year that he is going to spread the ball around. And sure enough, that's what he's doing. He's even hitting his running backs out of the backfield on a lot of these pass plays. So add that with the rushing upside of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I love him as a safe RB2 moving forward. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the first time that he's been, you know, Consistent. He's had a couple big games, I'm sure, over the course of a couple of years. But now, Chiefs spreading it around more. He could definitely have some bigger games, I feel like. John, what's that to you with the Chiefs? Yeah, real quick, I think it's the name of the podcast. I think Claude Edwards-Hilaire is, is passing the eye test. Like you said, Paul, the volume isn't necessarily there. The stats are not showing that he's getting tons of looks. But when he gets the ball, he makes something happen. So he's definitely passing the eye test. Right now, my the Chiefs' big three is Mahomes, Kelsey, and Claude Edwards-Hilaire. No more Tyreek Hill. That's my worry of the Chiefs is the receiving core. They're not really doing anything special. They're not passing the eye test for me. So, yeah, I'm huge on Kelsey, Clyde, and Mahomes this year for sure. I think they're going to be the star performers every week for that team. Yeah, I definitely think the Chiefs wide receivers are definitely a wait-and-see type thing right now. Juju, obviously, the more established one, but had a decent game week one and laid an egg this week. But going from an exciting game to probably one of the most boring games of the week is the Patriots and the Steelers. Now, we all knew this was going to be a terrible game. We all knew it was going to be low scoring. Not a lot was going to be happening, and they did not disappoint from that perspective. So I don't think there's really too much to say with this game. The one thing that I will say that I think needs to be said is Steelers' offensive line has been an issue for a while, and it seems like it's just getting worse. In terms of Najee Harris, do you see that hurting his fantasy value going forward? Paul. It certainly can't help him. Najee last year performed the way he did off of sheer volume. I think he had under three yards per carry running the ball, and Big Ben looked for him often in the past game, which inflated his PPR fantasy value. Mm. So having Mitch Nickelodeon MVP Trubisky at the helm is not doing any of those Steelers any favors. I think they need a shot in the arm. You should start Kenny Pickett next week. So we can get a real evaluation on Najee and on Pickens and all and on all those guys. But right now, yeah, if you use your first round pick on Najee Harris, God bless. I will say, practice a little patience with Najee. Had him last year. Did the same thing last year and then was very consistent down the stretch. So I'd preach a little patience, but it's definitely a little concerning so far. John, what do you think? Yeah, definitely patience with Najee Harris. Honestly, I... Patience with the whole Steelers team. I feel like 
they're one of the teams that tend to figure it out towards the later of the season. And it's Najee Harris. Like, you can't be looking to be <clears throat> trading him now. He's a first-round pick for a reason. And I do think that Kenny Pickett will be the quarterback pretty soon. Now's your time. If you're one of the teams who has a injured starting quarterback, maybe start looking for those waiver pickups of Kenny Pickett right now. He's definitely worth a stash at least for a couple weeks to see if he'll start. Because it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen soon. Kenny Pickett is going to be a starter more games than Mitch Trubisky will this year. So hop on it quick. No one's looking for Kenny Pickett now. So... You can be the guy that everyone will make fun of for a week, and then they'll come back and say that was a smart move and it'll come playoff season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think Pickett will be in sooner rather than later, especially given Trubisky's past record. It's not very mm-hmm. good, honestly, from a fantasy perspective or just in real life. I don't think there's much to talk about with the Patriots, honestly. Paul, you got anything on the Pats? Otherwise, we could just move on because – Fuck them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, the only thing I say is Jacoby Myers, 13 targets. It's definitely something worth monitoring. Negative game script for the most part with the Pats. Sure. I think Jacoby Myers came out and said some like negative things about the offense, about having no direction or something, and then they fed him the ball, so I'm sure he'll shut up now. But Classic yeah. wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Boring game. Now we go to, honestly, one of the biggest headlines of the week and might honestly be – had the biggest impact on the fantasy season going forward, and that is the Seahawks and the Niners. And obviously we're talking about the Trey Lance injury. Already confirmed he's done for the year, having ankle surgery. Jimmy G comes in. Thank God the Niners didn't release him or anything like that earlier. So I feel like this kind of goes – it's pretty obvious what the answer is here, but I feel like the whole Niners offense needs an upgrade now. What do you guys think, John? I think they got an upgrade going from Trey Lance to Jimmy G. Last week we were saying Trey Lance is dog shit. Bob, you even said that you think Jimmy G is going to start in two weeks. I did. Uh, I so did. You were, you were one week off, and you, of course you said it because you thought Trey Lance's performance was going to lack. You weren't predicting an injury, which no. on this show we do not wish for injuries at all. Never wish for injuries. Never wish for injuries, but Never. Jimmy G is still on a lot of teams in Dynasty League, so that's nice um, to have him on the bench. I'm not saying that you need to start him, although he played great. It seems like Jimmy G has a better feeling for that offense, right? He fits into it. He's not. They're not trying anything new now. It's just back to what they were doing last year, and last year they were a good team. Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, and my one waiver pickup, if he hasn't been picked up in leagues yet, is go after Jeff Wilson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Wilson is definitely playing well. I feel like any Niners running back that gets plugged into that RB1 role just shines because of the offense. Let's not forget about Brandon Ayuk as well. Seems like he's getting more volume there. Paul, do you you like anything you're seeing from Ayuk compared to last year? Yeah, Yeah, so I I drafted Ayuk last year with the hopes of him being a star. And he started off really slow, but he did pick it up at the end of the year. I actually cut him, I think, in the sixth or seventh week. But I like Ayuk in this offense. I really do. And I think Kyle Shanahan is taking a deep breath now that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback again. I think he was trying to force things with Trey Lance. I think he was trying to prove that he was worth the draft pick. I watched the game that he played in week one, and he looked horrible. So, yeah, Jimmy G, complete. It's an upgrade in both real life and in fantasy. Definitely an upgrade for sure. On the other side, we have the Seahawks, obviously. Not too much to note. Geno Smith came back to earth as everyone expected. Me as a Jets fan, 
seeing Gino, we all knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I think Tyler Lockett had a pretty good game. Oh, yeah. 11 but, targets, 9 catches. That's good. Yeah. And DK Metcalf. But that whole offense is just, it's obviously not the same because Russell Wilson isn't there. Anything, any players you guys are watching or anything like that with the Seahawks right now? Maybe waiver wire picks or anything? Yeah. How about the players that we're not watching? Like Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker because they Rashad never get Penny the ball. Sucks. They never get, they can't do anything. Rashad Penny was like, the best running back in the last month of football last year. And mm. I like to see that. I like to see the players that perform well at the end of the season. Usually they can bring that right into the offseason and then the new season following that. And geez, man, the offensive line was never really that good. What changed? I don't know. I don't know what changed. It's probably the quarterback. The quarterback runs the script of the game and the Seahawks are going to be down a lot now. So they're not really looking to run the ball much. Yeah, I think if you have Seahawks on your team, pretty much what you're hoping for is negative game script every game and just hoping that whether it's Geno, whether it's Drew Locke, can air it out in garbage time to Lockett or Metcalf or whoever the running back may be, whether Walker takes over Penny or whatever the fuck it may be. So not too much from the Seahawks right now. Maybe that'll change as we go through the season. So and then – Unfortunately, there were a lot of games this week that were very – it was very, actually a very weird fantasy week. There are a lot of, like, low scoring. I know looking at our main league, a lot of teams, like, just completely shit the bed. I know my team – I still may pull out a win, but my team's going to be at under 100 points in all likelihood. A bunch of other teams were. So, obviously, there were a lot of games that were pretty shitty. And another game – that was low scoring, not a lot to talk about fantasy-wise, was the Broncos and the Texans. So I think the biggest thing that happened in that game was an injury, unfortunately, and that's Jerry Judy getting hurt second year in a row. But what came out of that was a Cortland Sutton big game. So how are you guys looking at the Broncos now that we're two games in with Russ? If I'm a Broncos fan, I'm not thrilled. They were booing Hackett and Russ at halftime. Hackett looks like he has no idea how to time manage a game. But as far as a fantasy perspective, unless your name is Cortland Sutton or Javante Williams, I don't know if I trust you. I have their tight end, Albert O, in our Dynasty League. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. And I know exactly he, what you're talking about. Yeah, and he put up a hot and spicy shit donut i think he had one target maybe two targets but he put up a donut for me yeah melvin gordon looks old javante williams is definitely going to be the lead back in this offense very soon if they want to win is he though yes yep john i don't know i'm out on melvin gordon i'm out. I didn't I didn't not, see okay. it. Uh, full transparency i didn't watch the game but i looked at the stats and even though we're not a stats-driven fantasy podcast, stats do tell you a little bit of the picture. Melvin Gordon gets a lot of touches. And honestly, in the age that we're in the NFL right now, there aren't that many workhorse backs, and that's because they get hurt if they're workhorse backs most of the time. John, I'm obviously going to go to you on this because I know you have him in our main league. Honestly, are you a little concerned about Melvin Gordon's usage? In this offense? Not at all. And in fact, I think it's going to go down. When Javante Williams gets the ball, he does wonderful things with it. I think he only had, I don't know, 15 rush attempts. That's nothing crazy. That's pretty average. But when you're in a, a two running back scheme where you're doing 1A, 1B, and he's doing that much better than Melvin Gordon in terms of fantasy production. So I think that he 
is passing the eye test for sure. Like he is the guy that if you grabbed him, do not try and trade him. There's going to be a ton of sharks trying to get Javante Williams from you. Do not trade. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't agree. I'm concerned. How? I'm concerned. He's so good. I'm not saying he's I, not good. He's clearly the best back of the two backs. Melvin Gordon's very old, hasn't been in his prime for years. But his usage, and that, yes, it's only week two, but Javante Williams, let's be honest, if he doesn't get a catch, what was it, 11 passes in week one? Yeah. He doesn't really have that good of a game. He hasn't been that stellar yet, obviously. So I'm a little skeptical in terms of RB1. RB2, yes. RB1, I think it still remains to be seen. But, well, Bob, what if I told you that Javante Williams had 19 opportunities compared to Melvin Gordon's 11? In week two? Yes. So opportunities just, that are trending more towards Javante in the future. Then I still think it's a wait-and-see thing. He had a good run last year, and that's a really – unless he's going to maximize really those opportunities, and we're talking like – because where the money's made in fantasy football is getting in the end zone. We could talk mm-hmm. about catches all we want and everything like that. And yes, they help when if you're in PPR leagues. But getting in the end zone is the main thing. And I know Melvin Gordon does get some goal line looks. So he could be a vulture all season long. But I think it's just a wait and see thing right now. Still high Bob, on Bob, let me tell you a little something about fantasy football strategy coming from a guy who got third place last year. You have to find coming from the guy coming from the guy that got third place. Talking to the guy that got second. I <laughs> lost, lost by four yards. <laughs> the Look, only time to... John ever sniffed the top six, dude. You got to grab him. That's the guy that that wins you leagues, and he's gonna okay. win me mine. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. But talked about the Broncos enough. I get really got heavy into the running backs. Cortland Sutton had a big game. Got to note that seven receptions, 122 yards. Yeah, very big game. Definitely going to increase volume with Judy being out, at least for the short term. Not sure how serious the injury is yet. To move on to the opposite side of the, the opposite side, the Texans. I don't really think there's much to talk about here, unless ever anyone, any one of you are a secret Davis Mills fan. I don't remember a single thing from that game. No, the giraffe they have at quarterback is just, he's bottom tier. He's a bottom how's, tier starter. How's this guy, how's the guy Pierce, doing that everyone was hyping up in the preseason or has he just disappeared he, he got like eight or ten points i think in standard in a ppr leagues so, so the, the volume he's a, guy to watch. he's a guy to watch he's a guy to hold on your bench if you're in a dynasty league i think that he is a good athlete but he's not on a good team and that you want to talk about negative game script it's the texans are going to be in it and more than 75% of their games this year not a no one really to start on the texans size brandon cooks mm-hmm. and flat yeah. I agree. All right. Fuck the Texans. Now, fuck the Texans. We have have a big bounce back game, and this is very close to me because I have him in two of my leagues. We're talking Panthers, Giants, and we're talking the bounce back game from Christian McCaffrey. He actually put up more points this week without scoring a touchdown than he did last week when he did get in the end zone. So that was a big relief for me, and that was a Probably a big relief for a lot of other Christian McCaffrey owners. Finally got that usage going again. Numbers were really good. So, obviously, you don't panic after week one. But aside from CMC, what else did you guys see? 
from that game that you guys that stood out to you? Not much. Like it's really just CMC. I think Baker Mayfield did Baker Mayfield things. Didn't do anything crazy. I predicted that the Giants were going to win if Baker Mayfield lost the game. I'm not really sure if that was the case. I don't really remember any like clutch time interceptions or anything like that. Giants just played a good game. Their defense played really well. That's really all I have to say about the Panthers, at least. John, I can't help but notice, John, that you're not slurping Saquon's quads right now. You're not not dragging your tongue up his giant tree trunks. He got the ball a lot of times. He just couldn't do much with it. Oh, my God. It's We almost predicted that they would stack the box on Saquon. <laughs> it's so weird. I think this week was a big reminder that Daniel Jones is still quarterback. Yeah. Saquon Barkley's still running back. <laughs> <laughs> but So not much really from the Giants, and they're still, their offense is still a dumpster fire. But I will say I did talk about picking up Sterling Shepard, because I thought he would be a useful receiver for the rest of the season, barring injury. And although he didn't really gain a lot of yards, he did get like 10 targets, six receptions, 34 yards. So it's kind of promising for Daniel Jones' favorite target, and we'll see where that goes. But I think he's a good guy to just have on your bench in the off chance that he does actually end up putting in wide receiver three numbers across the season. So – I'd agree. Now, in that game, really. And then now we got the big game. And this is strikes the heart. My Jets won a fucking game. And they scored 30 points. Go Jets. Big fucking game. I almost forgot what it was like to win. Actually, I did forget it, what it was like to win. Miraculous <laughs> comeback. We all know that they came, that it was like the first time in like however many years that a team came back from two scores with two minutes left. So big props to the Jets on that and hoping they can continue that momentum forward, but now into fantasy. Obviously the start of the game was Garrett Wilson, eight receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. So what else? I know we were talking about the running back committee last week in our mock episode. Mm -hmm. What did you guys see from Brees Hall and Michael Carter that you guys liked? this week or didn't like i think what we saw is exactly what we're going to get for the short-term future is we saw a split backfield with two very talented young running backs michael carter does seem to have the pass catching duties for now i think he was targeted five to one in the past game to Brees hall but barring and we never root for injuries we never do but if one of these guys go down i it wouldn't shock me if the other put up rb1 numbers it wouldn't surprise me either Yeah, but I think the big one is Garrett Wilson. If you want to talk about passing the eye test, I watched this motherfucker run out. Yeah, and I was like, this is a dog. This is He showed why he was arguably the best receiver prospect in the NFL for the draft, and he just looked looked fantastic. He really did. Yeah, I felt like that was just a really – Fun game to watch where it's one of those games where you have super low expectations before. And it turned out to be like a top three game of the week. So I I agree with Paul about the backfield on the Jets, but I do have to come clean about something. Last week, I told everyone that Donovan Peoples-Jones was going to be the waiver pickup of the week. Did he lay an egg? He laid a fat egg. Zero (laughs) points. Look, here's the thing. For the people that are new to fantasy right now, there's going to be so many players that are not on teams that blow up. That's the nature of football. But you can't just 
pick them up on the waiver wire and start them like I did. Don't do that. Let them have two of those games on your bench. That's okay. You have starters for a reason. You drafted players for a reason. You start those guys. Statistically, they're going to have more high-scoring games than the ones on the waiver wire. People like to start, though, a guy that they picked up on the waiver wire because they're going to come off with some genius. That might happen 5% of the time, but no one likes to look like a dumbass 95% of the time. So let them perform on your bench for two weeks straight. That's my advice before they earn a start on your team. As of now, Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't passing the eye test. He did the first week and didn't do anything this week. It's like, what we got to just keep watching him. Segwaying into that, I do think that the whole receiving core on the Browns is going to be inconsistent. I think Amari Cooper is going to be inconsistent too. Granted, he's worth more starts than Donovan Peoples-Jones is at the moment. But I think that you just got to be weary of any Browns player that isn't named Nick Chubb. I think, and that's exactly what I was going to talk about next, is this man Nick Chubb fell to me in not our main league, but another league that I'm in. That man fell to me in the third fucking round. We all know. He's always good. He's always been good. But especially in PPR leagues, it was always concerning that he doesn't get involved in the pass game. But... I'll tell you, man, this performance this week, 32 points in our league. He had 113 total yards, three receptions, touchdowns. What happened, birds? Jalen Hurst just ran the ball for 30 yards, juked out 22 people on the field. Even the fucking cheerleader broke her ankles, dude. (laughs) Off the fucking field. Let's go, birds! And I agree with everything you said, Bob. Yeah, so I think people, you should always be concerned with Kareem Hunt vulturing touchdowns and stuff, but Nick Chubb is an RB1 and a must-start every week, and anyone that, you know, is concerned about that, I think you just got to you just gotta deal with it. That's the best, like, best running game in the NFL, and both running backs, in my opinion, are Kareem Hunt, not so much a must-start, but more like maybe a solid flex play. But they're the best running game in the NFL. Great offensive line. They're solid plays every week. I have someone who to target on the waiver wire from the Jets-Browns game. And oh. I was, yeah, and he's not on the Browns. He's on the Jets, and his name is Tyler Conklin. No Let's go. Tyler Conklin, dude. He has had two straight weeks of 10, at least 10 points, which you like to see from a tight end because – a lot of tight ends don't score 10 points every week. But I also will say, C.J. Ozama didn't play this week, and he's been injured. So I would exercise a little bit of caution with that because when he does come back, they're both going to be playing a lot as well. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, look, seven targets week one, nine targets week two. That's pretty nice. And the next three weeks, he's got Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Miami. I think he's a good waiver staff. I always I like picking up tight ends on the waiver wire just because I never pick like a high-end tight end. So I like to play around with my waiver wires on the tight ends to see if I can get lucky. I usually – I change up my tight ends like three or four times a year on the bench. Okay. So we talked about both teams a lot. One quick question before we move on to the next game. Does the Jets offense – Regardless of their quarterback, whether it be Flacco, Zach Wilson is probably coming back week four. Does the entire Jets offense need an upgrade? We're talking, obviously, the relevant fantasy players. Do they need an upgrade? 
or do you, is it, are you a wait and see on them? Like you said before, I would like to say exercise caution. I think Joe Flacco is the better fantasy quarterback when he's playing. Garrett Wilson straight up came out and said in an interview that Joe Flacco show, Joe Flacco throws a more receiver friendly ball. Um, which you there's really no way to sugarcoat that. So I think when Zach Wilson comes back, some of these receivers might come down to earth. I think the running backs are rock solid flex options at this point with the efficiency and what they're doing. But I, Joe Flacco is my elite king, and I feel a lot more comfortable with him under center if I'm looking to start a Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, any of those pass catchers. Okay, so you see Zach Wilson coming back as maybe a downgrade, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I'm just usually always scared to start anyone on the Jets. It's those types of like low. No, I'm serious though because no, I've been dude. I'm trust me. I know. Trust me. It's always when you plug a player into your starting roster on a team that doesn't score that many offensive points. It's hard to just hope that they get a lot of like balls thrown their way or something like that, or hope that they score a touchdown, like one of the three touchdowns that they score. Like it's hard to predict. So like those players on like the Jets and the Browns, it's just you never. It's it's just I only start them if I have to. But Garrett Wilson's that guy. Okay. Don't get me wrong. All right. As long as we got that little caveat that we all agree that Garrett Wilson is that guy, I think it's safe to move on now. <laughs> Let's move on to another game. Very boring game. One of the worst games of the week, easily. And we don't need to talk about it too much, especially on one side. Talking Jags, Colts. Colts laid a fucking complete egg. There's really not much to talk about with them. We'll see what happens with Michael Pittman this week. He'll probably come back, hopefully. I know a lot of the fantasy managers are hoping that he comes back. But not really a lot from the Colts on the fantasy end. But on the Jaguar side, a topic of conversation is always going to be the backfield still. And it seems to be still a large committee between James Robinson and Travis Etienne. James Robinson got in the end zone. Etienne was still involved, still didn't do too much. What do you guys think about the Jaguars' backfield right now? Because I know a lot of people like myself arguably reach for Etienne and are a little concerned right now. Yeah, they were – both of those running backs – for a redraft league, we're not on my draft list unless they were to fall to me at the perfect round. So, I again, the Jaguars got to produce more before I, I start to trust them. It's just one of those teams where I'm always weird to start a Jaguar. So, nothing okay. to say about them. Simple. All right. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, so Pauly Trades. Pauly Trades thinks it's time, if you're in a redraft league, to shop Travis Etienne. Paul. James Robbins, Bob, I'm sorry. Trust Paul, me, I, love I loved ETN oh. coming out this year. I really did. I have him in a couple of my leagues. But James Robinson looks to have a secure grip as the 1A in this backfield. A ridiculous amount of touches. He looks good running the ball. Are you guys concerned, though? I know, John, you don't, have, you don't really give a shit about the Jaguars. But mm -hmm. I'll ask both of you this question. Are you concerned that the Jaguars are giving James Robinson too much work too fast coming off this Achilles tear and that it could wear him down as the season goes on? It's a really good I, point. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something to consider. That's definitely something to have in the back of your head. But I think that if James Robinson wasn't 100% healthy, they would not be giving him this workload, especially with such a talent in ETN as the backup. 
So it, it always scares me when new coaches come in, especially when last year's coach drafted ETN. Doug Peterson might not have liked ETN and might not have liked him as a prospect. And so, yeah, with Dougie P in charge now, ETN was Urban Fraudmeyer's pick, not <laughs> Dougie P's. So yeah. Dougie P has no – there's no loyalty to Travis ETN. Dougie P is going to put – who he believes is the best back. And right now, James Robinson is out touching ETN and looking really good doing it. That's a really good point about Doug Peterson not being loyal to him. I would exercise still some patience with ETN, still pretty much his rookie year. So ETN owners, I know I'm a little biased. Be patient. But, Paul, I'm going to let you take the reins on this next game because I know you were at the game. You saw all this unfold in front of you. And you were heart, you were probably ecstatic in the beginning, and then you were ended up heartbroken at the end. So, lay it on me. What did you see from your Ravens that you liked? I saw that Lamar Jackson is the undisputed goat. He's the greatest quarterback to ever touch a football field. He is pretty much Jesus Christ descended to earth. He is my Messiah. But all jokes aside, Lamar looked fucking great he was throwing the ball really well obviously he still has that electricity when he runs he broke off i think a 79 yard run i was going bonkers when he did but but yeah this offense right now looks great it really does i think they definitely need jk dobbins to come back the rushing attack looks stale Kenyon drake and mike davis are just not those guys but you have to like what you from a young a young receiving core rashad bateman again long touchdown highly efficient Devin Duvernay still looked good. None of these receivers are going to give you the volume that you would like that you would like from a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. But trust in Lamar Jackson that he's going to find his guys when he needs to. And of course, Mark Andrews is always a great compliment. Yeah, that's always the one thing that scared me about these Ravens, not the Ravens as a team, but their receivers in terms of fantasy. John, what about you? What'd you like to see from the Ravens? It was all about Lamar Jackson that game. He had so much heat all offseason because of this whole he doesn't have an agent thing. On top of that, it's Lamar Jackson is a good running back type of joke that that just needs to end. Like we're witnessing him develop into a very good passer. He is slinging the ball. And then you pair that with his running ability that he still has. And it's like, how do you, what do you do as a defenseman? Like, you're screwed when you play against Lamar Jackson. The reason that the Ravens lost that game is because of their defense. And Tua must have had his Wheaties or something in the morning because that was fucking insane. What he Speaking of Tua, give that man his fucking props. I think this is just what, this is a common trend across the NFL. Offensive coaches always find a way to pretty much succeed with young, I don't want to say established really, but like young, talented quarterbacks. And obviously the Dolphins just changed their coach, went from, what's his name, Brian Flores, defensive-minded coach, to this guy now who's an offensive-minded coach. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. McDaniel? Maybe. Yes. Two tosses, six touchdowns, has an amazing game. And the offense as a whole looks spectacular from a passing perspective, especially. What did you guys like that you saw from the Dolphins? It was 
Just a battle of the quarterbacks. It was, that was the best game of the week. What I really liked besides Tua throwing for almost 500 yards was the mental part of the game. Down 20 points, you're a young quarterback. Not many of those types of players are going to be able to thrive in that environment. Away, they were playing in Baltimore. I mean, that you got to give props to the guy. He was in an unfamiliar sports arena. He was playing against a high-powered offense, meaning that he knew he had to bring his A-game if he wanted even a, a chance of winning the game. And that's exactly what he did. The clutchness of Tua was just really cool to see, and I'm really happy for him. And you can thank the receiving core for getting wide open because he too got a lot of heat last week for saying the comment that he's too short to see his receivers. Height doesn't really matter when your receivers are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and they're getting wide open. They are. A Swiss cheese defense. They are. Yo, chill. <laughs> Sorry. I had to say. Chill. <laughs> they, are, they are absolutely ridiculous. I... When I saw they both had two touchdowns, I was not stunned because obviously they're both spectacular players, but just like the fact that the Dolphins are passing so much. Sure, their offense could still be balanced, but they're just chucking the ball. Maybe it was just the game environment yesterday. Maybe that won't be replicated. But going off that, Paul, what do you think? Do you think that the Dolphins are going to continue this just like pass-happy offense throughout the course of the year? Can you expect? Obviously, you don't expect <laughs> 40, 50 points from Hill and Waddle every week. But do you expect them to be like pretty much both wide receiver ones the rest of the year? Honestly, it wouldn't shock me. I think the strength in this offense is certainly those two guys that we're talking about in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And Mike McDaniel is not an idiot. He knows that in order to win football games, you give your two best guys the ball. They showed that elite speed absolutely kills in the NFL. And Tua doesn't have the strongest arm. But he can still get it 50, 60 yards down the field, which is all they need. And so I, and he's accurate. He's accurate as hell. And remember, at one point, there was a tank for two a champ going on. It was. So, true. Might yeah. have worked. Yeah. So I think if you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, please do not ever remove them from your lineup. They are game script proof. And I think will be the focal point moving forward. And if you're a Chase Edmonds owner, Ooh, I would have hated to have reached for him in the third round. I don't know who would have done that, but someone did. Yeah, I wasn't sure which wide receiver was going to be the star performer on the Dolphins during like mock draft season. And I really wasn't grabbing Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle on my drafts, most likely because I was falling in like the back end of the draft. But it was just a risky play. I wasn't sure. Like it was a young quarterback. It was a very good wide receiver on a new team, and then a very good rookie who now has to compete with Tyreek Hill. So it was just confusing for me. I didn't draft any of them. But, yeah, to answer your question, Bob, I can see both of them being wide receiver ones. I think it's not often that you could have two wide receiver ones on the same team, but I definitely think it's possible. We, so. Yeah, that would be the team to do it. Yeah. So we covered a lot with this game. This is one of what was one of the bigger games this week. Let's move on to a divisional game. A letdown from what I expected at least. I know Tom Brady never plays well for some reason against the Saints. They still somehow managed to win. So what did you guys like that you saw? We'll start with the Bucks. What did you guys cuz I don't really have much to say on the Bucks. I didn't see much. What did what did you guys like or disliked from the Bucks this week? My takeaway for the Bucks and Saints game is that Leonard Fournette is not someone that you need to be panicking on. I know that he is 
technically getting older in terms of running back. People were thinking that he wasn't going to have as good as a year that he did last year. Pump the brakes a little bit on that. Just like Saquon, he's getting the volume. He just didn't really do much with the ball last night. But he did have 24 rush attempts, and he also had four targets as a pass catcher. I think the players on the Bucks that scored low that you really shouldn't panic for is Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans. If you didn't watch the game, he got ejected for a personal foul. So don't worry about either of those two. They'll he be just fine. for a game, too, today. Yeah, he did. Well, yeah. Yeah, Mike Evans owners, you're not going to be able to start your boy next week. So look out for that. Maybe you pick up Russell Gage or something like that as a fill-in. If Julio somehow is still on your waiver wire as well. Paul, you got anything on the Bucks? The only thing I'll say, because I think John covered a, a good part of it, and I'm sure Tom Brady will prove me wrong in this, but if you have Tom Brady next week, you should 100% stream a quarterback. I think Tom Brady will finish as the quarterback 24. I think Brady's not going to play well next week. No Evans, no Godwin. I don't even know who they're playing, but I really don't give a shit because don't start Tom Brady. Hit the waiver wire this week if you have him. What if they're playing like the – Texans or something. Then, uh, fuck Tom Brady, but yeah, you should start him. Bucks really didn't do much in this game. I think there's a little more to say from the Saints' perspective. Let's talk about Michael Thomas a little bit. This guy, what was he out for? Uh, over a year? Didn't play at all last year, really? Yeah. Two, two solid weeks in a row? Are you guys in on Michael Thomas? Oh, right I've, oh I've been in. I've yeah. been in. I'm like a fat kid in a candy store on Mike Thomas, but... Is Mike Thomas back to the first-round wide receiver we saw a couple years ago? I don't think so. But I think you can confidently start him in your flex. Confidently. Yeah. I would um, say that. I would say yeah. wide receiver, too, honestly. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, I think he's a wide receiver, too. The only thing that scares me in that regard is that Jameis Winston played with four fractures in his back last week. Dude, which this is guy like, is always hurt. Dude, he's I know. But hurt. if – if Dude, James he got smacked time, around, too. Oh, I know. He got like, bullied. Yeah, he got like bullied. 12 times. Yeah. Give Lobster Claws credit, though. He's still somehow. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, but, four fractures in your back. I can't imagine it's easy. No, but that's the only thing really scaring me from starting Mike Thomas if Jameis Winston is to miss a week or two to nurse that injury. I don't know how the backup quarterback's going to look with MT. John, how about you? Anything? More on Michael Thomas, maybe something on Chris. No. no, not really. They're just guys to watch right now for me. I wasn't I didn't think that the Saints were gonna be that as high powered with the wide receivers as they are looking now, but with Kamara on injury, then yeah, it's definitely something worth monitoring. I really thought that it was just gonna be James Winston and Kamara all year. So I wasn't big on Michael Thomas or Olave at all, but it looks like they're Olave is starting to develop, and it looks like Michael Thomas is starting to return to normal form. Yeah, I think. Is there an update on Kamara's injury? Is No, not is as he, of late. Because he, he got ruled out pretty randomly. I don't remember that being like a thing like going into the week. Yeah, it happened under the radar. So it's, an, is it a knee? it's a knee, right? Dude, what's with these ribs, too? Looking like week three is far from a guarantee that he plays. So Ooh. he is uh, officially oh. doubtful. He's not playing. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't touching Kamara in any of my drafts, though, to be honest with you. I, I was. I'm so lucky he got drafted right before me. I, I think people really underestimate 
how good – and Drew Brees is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time, even though he's widely considered one of the greatest of all time. People forget how fucking good he was and how tailor-made he was for that offense, how good he made Michael Thomas, how good he made Kamara. Yeah. So that's another thing that you always have to remember. This isn't the Drew Brees Saints, and it probably never will be again. But yeah. with that said, moving on, this game, huge, some huge numbers from people. Lions and Commanders. I think the biggest takeaway, obviously, is I forget his name. I'm on Ross, St. Brown. Yes, I'm just going to say St. Brown. Nine receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns, going off with Jared Goff. That's a good slogan. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Had a good week one as well, but completely blew up this week. What do you guys think about St. Brown? I think that he's a bona fide star. I think it's cemented at this point. It's not whether it's is he going to be or what's his potential. If you go back to last year, his last eight games last year, he was a wide receiver one. He might not have finished as the wide receiver one, but he was putting up wide receiver one numbers. And then he comes out and he's absolutely passing the eye test with flying colors. And the dude is absolutely ridiculous. I always get skeptical when they have hard knocks, the team that's on hard knocks, when people come out and go, oh, St. Brown on hard knocks. Like, how can you not draft this guy? But he's actually turning dividends. He's, he's incredible. He's the next big star. Yeah, he is the next big star. My my hot take, and this is recency bias, but my hot take is that he's going to be a first-round wide receiver next year. He's going to continue putting up the production that he is now. Just like Paul said, he's had 10 games now where he's been putting up wide receiver one numbers. You think and that really that's, what wide, that's what first-round wide receivers do is for 10 games, they're putting up wide receiver one numbers. Yeah, but why? I don't know. I don't know if I could see it. 12-team league in 14-team league, maybe. 12-team league, which is your typical league. Hey, if he's an early second-round pick, I'd say that my – That's pretty good. Pretty That's pretty good. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. I will say this. I will say this. Is the assurgence of Amon Ross St. Brown as a wide receiver one scaring any DeAndre Swift holders? Because now mm. maybe they're shifting their offense away from Swift, wanting to keep their running back healthy – less involvement in the offense for Swift. He's a good pass blocker and, you know, give the ball to Ra St. Brown's way. What do you guys think about that? I personally, I like DeAndre Swift a lot. The biggest thing that concerns me with him is health and it'll always be health for me. I personally try to stay away from any player, honestly, but particularly running back, unless we're talking like Christian McCaffrey, where it's almost like you have to pick him. But, like, when you're getting into the second, third, fourth round, like, I need guys that I know are going to stay on the field. And he's already dealing with injuries. Still think he'll, he'll always produce, in my opinion, when he's on the field. But yeah. health will always be a concern. Don't really see it being an issue, though, with him taking away from Swift. I think that offense, the way it's going now, it has more than enough going to fuel St. Brown and DeAndre Swift. Maybe not both as, you know, wide receiver one, running back one, but I wouldn't really have too many concerns about that. Yeah, I think the only thing about Swift is he actually only got seven touches this week and still managed almost 17 fantasy points, which is he was extremely efficient, extremely. He caught two passes for 30-some yards and a score and then ran five times for 
50 some yards. So like he seven touches that does scare me. That does scare me, especially from somebody. Maybe you went wide receiver tight end and then picked him as your RB one in the third round or even went wide receiver and then picked him in the third round. He's still giving you those numbers, but that volume, it does. It's not enough for me to say bench DeAndre Swift. If he's in your lineup, you're starting him. That's no question, but I don't know how long you can hold on to these highly efficient games. Yeah, that definitely, it's definitely scary. So we'll see how that plays out as the season goes along. But on the opposite side, we got John's favorite quarterback, Carson Wentz, putting up another (laughs) massive game. Massive Just wait, Bob. 300 (laughs) 300 yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, it's Carson Wentz. He threw in a little interception just to treat his fantasy owners with that. He can't give you everything. But nonetheless, still a very big game. And the commander's offense looks good, too. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. What do you think? Well, we know Wentz is still has been pretty good, but where do you, what do you guys think? I think the bigger question is with their receiving core. Do you think Terry McLaurin is still the guy? Terry McLaurin, who? Dude, yeah. Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel has come out two weeks in a row and put up bona fide numbers. He's eating targets. He's running the ball too. He's getting rush attempts. He's catching passes. He's doing it all. And Jahan Dotson is passing the eye test right now. He looks electric. He's playing really well. Terry McLaurin still had a decent game. I think he had four or five catches for 75 yards, something like that. But Curtis Samuel is doing it on the ground in the passing game. And I think Curtis Samuel is a legitimate part of this offense. And he's giving you good problems if he's on your bench. Because if you're considering starting him or maybe like a Gabe Davis or like even a C.D. Lamb, it's I don't know. But granted, Washington did play what they played like the Jags and the Lions the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect segue, Paul. Uh, (laughs) Here comes John. John. Just wait. Like, I've seen it. I've seen it already. They did it last year when Carson Wentz was on the Colts. Even in the middle of the season, it's, oh, he's going to lead the Colts to the playoffs. You know what? It sucked to be any Colts fantasy owners besides Taylor. Carson Wentz forgets how to play football at the end of the year. So if you are a Terry McLaurin holder or a Dotson holder or Curtis Samuel holder, just wait. If you make the playoffs, you're screwed. You're losing because Carson Wentz won't be able to throw him the ball then. (laughs) So have fun, commanders. Have fun for now. You guys are going to have a great September. What's their schedule next week? Let's think about this one. So Wentz played the Jags and – the Lions. Oh, he's got Philly next week. L. Dude, that's a revenge. That's a revenge game, man. He's got Philly next week. That's L. a revenge. That's Dallas, a revenge game. L. Your kid. Your. That's a revenge game. He's gonna play well next week. The yeah, I agree. Actually, Eagles are beating the Vikings twenty-four-seven. I am not worried the slightest for Carson fucking Wentz. And that's when you should be the most worried. Yep. Exactly. We're going to make them look stupid. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Now that we got to see here John's monologue about how he hates Carson Wentz, <laughs> I think we can move on to our next game, and that's Rams versus Falcons. Bounce back from the where the 
Rams got destroyed in week one against the Bills. Stafford puts up three touchdowns. Cooper Cup still Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson bounced back a little bit. What did you think was the biggest takeaway from the Rams offense in week two against the Falcons, John? Biggest takeaway is the emergence of Allen Robinson. I think that Week one was very scary for all the Allen Robinson drafters of the world. That's the Rams offense is, it can be unpredictable. The consistent part is Cooper Cup, but you don't know what other receivers are going to get fed. You don't know if they're going to be running the ball more. You don't know if Stafford's going to have a good game. Like it's just, it's hard, but I did like to see Allen Robinson step up and uh, prove a lot of the haters wrong. So that was nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, Allen Robinson did emerge. He kind of kind of dipped his toes in. I think he only had five targets. He got um, a touchdown taken away from him, though. On yeah, some, he like, passed the eye test. Yeah, he passed. He did pass the eye test this week. So I will That's say fair. that he did get a touchdown taken away on some bogus freaking call. Yeah. I don't know yeah, but he did score a touchdown too. Yeah, so I, you're right. I thought two. he had two touchdowns. I forgot that one got taken. Back. Yeah. So it was definitely good to see Stafford as a Stafford owner as well. Definitely concerning me a little bit. His through two games, his touchdown to INT ratio is four to five. And then not as much to talk about with the Falcons, but Drake London, big game receiver drafted before Garrett Wilson. Did you guys see anything that you thought was worth noting on the Falcons' end? I think you said the one guy that I actually give a shit about on the Falcons is Drake London. <laughs> Kyle Pitts, I think, is an abomination. How else are you going to put it? Honestly, I completely agree. I completely like, agree. I don't give a shit about the hype and the talent. It's been two years. Yes, he was a thousand yard receiver last year, but the dude has under 10 targets in two games. That's not a Tony Gonzalez, a Travis Kelsey type talent. I don't understand. You want to talk yeah. about? Not, you want to talk about not passing the eye test? Kyle Pitts is not passing the eye test, and he was draft. He was going so early in drafts this year. Unless you're you have him on your dynasty team, there's got to be somebody in your league who's oh. still buying the hype on Kyle Pitts. Darius Slay, interception in the end zone, and a flag on the field. I am. So happy I didn't fall for the Kyle Pitts hype train. Why would yes. you do that? This is where I'm still confused on Kyle Pitts. Because he came in with a lot of hype last year, came in with a lot of hype again this year. And with two different quarterbacks, still isn't performing, not getting in the end zone. Like, I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. You have Drake London, who's performing well. Receivers, obviously, play on the outside. Tight ends are more through the middle of the field. But... Is it just Matt Ryan and Mariota are incapable of throwing in the middle of the field? I don't know. Or I feel like this could be Kyle Pitts thing. Yeah. You can't just That's blame exciting. it on the quarterback all the time. Two different quarterbacks. And it's just something that, not from just a fantasy perspective, but from a football perspective, that you're like, why the fuck isn't this guy performing? He's, yep. supposed, to, he's supposed to be as fast as a wide receiver. I don't know. just doesn't really make much sense to me. But... Obviously, if you're in a dynasty league, guys, patience, obviously. But if you're in a redraft league and you have Kyle Pitts, you might be fucked. Here's an interesting fact about Kyle Pitts from last year. And again, it, it doesn't make sense that the hype was that high. He Granted, he was a top 10 tight end. That's not saying much, though. It's not. You know? 
he only scored over 10 points in PPR league seven games. So there was 10 other games where he was scoring single digits and like his ceiling was like 22. It's like, how are you a third round draft pick in PPR redraft leagues? I just don't, I don't understand it. And that's why I don't fall for the high end tight end. Let's yeah. All right. All right. So Kyle Pitts sucks. But Kyle Pitts does not pass the eye test. Nope. And we got another very exciting game from a football perspective. I went into overtime, ended on a fumble recovery for a touchdown in overtime. And that's Cardinals Raiders. Obviously, you had the injury to James Conner. This is why, again, going back to my point earlier, I know he Walter kept him in our league, but he was going very, not super high, but James Conner has a history of getting hurt. He's another guy that's like, Coming off a career-high year, can he really replicate that? And I'm starting to think already that he won't because of health and just because of how good he was last year, especially in the mm-hmm. red zone. But the emergence of Kyler Murray, that was a re-emergence, I should say. Are we back to putting Kyler Murray in the potential top five quarterbacks again? Yeah, top five. Going to have to wait and see because the first week wasn't too interesting with Kyler. But, man, is that guy fast, dude. He – did you see that play where he was just hanging out back for 20 seconds and then just ran it in for a touchdown? That was so cool. So Kyler Murray, props to Kyler Murray, another guy dealing with just a, a negative media script all summer long about his contract and how he loves video games. And it's just, dude, he just came out and played ball. I don't think there's much to talk about with the wide receivers. Keith Brown has always been underwhelming to me. He just has. He doesn't pass the eye test for me. Dude, he can't catch the ball. <laughs> Hollywood Brown is a bitch. Boomer bus guy. If you drafted him, fine. But just he doesn't pass the eye test for me. So on the other side, we look at the Raiders. And I had Devontae Adams as my play of the week when he went off for that 10 reception, 100-plus yard game. Thought he was going to have another big week here against a Cardinals defense that got shredded by Pat Mahomes. And he puts up two receptions, 12 yards, and a fucking touchdown. Now, I'm obviously, you're, you never worry about Devontae Adams. But it's just a reminder that Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. So don't forget that. But aside from that, anything that stood out to you guys with the Raiders in this game? I will say, really, the only thing that stood out to me is Josh Jacobs is officially the Walmart version of Nick Chubb. He had, he did have 19 carries, but only one target, and I think like maybe 70 yards, and that's about what you can expect from him moving forward. It seems he is definitely the RB1 on the team. He's definitely their two guy in the rushing attack, but he gives no PPR upside. He's a downhill runner who's going to carry linebackers with him for three, four, five yards a run. He's not going to break out that long touchdown run like a Nick Chubb would. So if you're a Josh Jacobs owner like me, just be aware of what you've gotten yourself into. (laughs) I will say also, Darren Waller deserves a little bit of credit here. He's put up two solid weeks in a row, had another big week this past week. Six receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Let's not forget how good this guy is when he's healthy. And I know I drafted him in one of my leagues. I'm very happy. And I know all the other Waller drafters are very happy as well. So kudos to him. He definitely yeah. deserves it, especially in a very shallow position. But yeah, not much else to talk about from that game. But now we yeah, move yeah. on to 
the Cooper Rush Cowboys and the Bengals. Cowboys pull off, I won't call it stunning win, but surprising win, I guess. Cooper Rush plays pretty well, good enough to win the game. C.D. Lamb has a better game than he did last week with Dak. But let's talk about the Bengals first, actually. Are we witnessing two weeks in, 0-2? We'll try and keep it as fantasy-relevant as possible, but are we witnessing a Bengals Super Bowl hangover right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you still need to have patience with these Bengals players. It was just a weird game. I Sometimes I think like after a quarterback goes down, like teams just love to rally around the back. And the Bengals had the unfortunate scenario of playing that team with Dak Prescott's injury down. Cooper Rush comes in. Your, own, your whole entire game plan as a head coach when you're quarterback goes down is our defense better fucking step up and that's what they did they made the they made a high-powered offense look really slow um Trayvon Diggs locked down Jamar Chase I think Jamar Chase had five targets and only got two of those five targets when he was guarded by Trayvon Diggs and he they couldn't get him the ball the offensive line on the Bengals sucks Joe Burrow got hit like 42 times or something like that and uh, that's the biggest concern, honestly. Yeah, because if, if Burrow goes down, they're screwed. Dude, man. if Burrow gets, if Burrow goes down, I don't know who the backup is. If Burrow goes down, that whole offense, especially in fantasy, is fucked. Yeah, okay. there is maybe you'll still get good production from like Jamar Chase, or maybe not even because backup quarterbacks tend to target more the middle of the field, tight ends, like slot receivers, that type of thing. So I would be extremely concerned about the Bengals offensive line and if Burrow gets hurt what that would mean for especially Jamar Chase I think you guys hit the nail on the head in the receivers and I'll just touch on Joe Mixon real quick the dude's a volume monster he is one of the few workhorse backs left in this league but like we've been talking about he's behind a horrible o-line he was incredibly inefficient he's still a bottom tier rb1 but at this point is it bad to say he's touchdown dependent? I don't know. I drafted him in the first round. I actually, I would have picked him over Najee had that been the case, but I picked Joe Mixon over a couple other good receivers, which I wish I did. But yeah, that O-line is certainly the biggest concern for that Bengals offense. Massive concern. Massive. And so now with the Cowboys, we're talking the Cooper Rush Cowboys now for at least like six weeks. You talk probably almost two months if we're being realistic. Like I said earlier, CD had a better game, but I think one of the biggest things that we need to talk about and in more of a general perspective, is this like really the, is this really the end of Zeke? Not as an NFL player, obviously, but as like a fantasy relevant running back where you expect him to get, maybe he might even be falling out of the RB2 conversation, honestly. Yeah. No, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think Zeke, this is his last hurrah. Tony Pollard definitely looks like the crisper runner. He looks like fresh legs out of the back. And Zeke just looks slow. But this Cowboys offense, I will say, the waiver wire is a bit thin this week, but Noah Brown is certainly someone to look for. He has a good rapport with Cooper Rush. He did hit him over the middle. He got some decent targets, some decent looks. He wouldn't be a bad guy to add on your bench in case, like today, Gabe Davis, all of a sudden game time decision gone. There goes your wide receiver two or your flex. Not a bad guy to fill in there. Yeah, I agree, I agree with Paul's take. I don't have anything to say about the Cowboys. I fucking hate them. Yeah, John was going that route once I saw his face. No reaction at all. He was just like, I'm not talking about them no matter what. <laughs> 
Not when the birds are on, dude. I was going to say just take this segment out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about the Bengals. Yeah. All right. Nothing to say about the Cowboys. Pretty much covered everything. So now we got our last Sunday game. And Packers-Bears. Now, again, I don't really think much happens here. Aaron Rodgers bounce back game. Lazard played limited snaps, scores a touchdown. So – what stood out to you guys with the Packers? Paul, I know you got something big to say right here. Yeah, I believe a really intelligent, good-looking, charming individual came up and said that Aaron Jones was going to be a superstar. And it turns out he was. He scored 35 fantasy points. He led the team in yards in touchdowns. He was Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy in pretty much every situation. I know after last week, people were counting out Aaron Jones, and I was like, hold up. He's going to be awesome. He's playing the Bears. Aaron Rodgers is officially, I think, a part owner of the Chicago Bears. But Aaron Jones looked fantastic. Look look to him to continue this because Alan Lazard looked like dog shit. The other receivers looked horrible. A.J. Dillon, good. But Aaron Jones is this offense to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I'm. I have some worries with Aaron Rodgers. He's showing some consistency issues again. This is like Aaron Rodgers, and I said it last week too. Everyone says that about like him and like Tom Brady in the beginning of the year. Like I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will find his groove. But the hard part is, it's hard to find your groove when you don't have Devontae Adams on your team anymore. So I really think that the Packers need to be looking for a wide receiver maybe like a are we really talk, are we really gonna talk ab to the packers already in week two i was gonna say obj but that would be nice that would be yeah nice. i think obj could do it and i just i think that because of the fact that there's no receiver it really shoots the stocks up on aaron jones paul said aaron jones is gonna be aaron Rodgers' favorite weapon until they i'm confident that this is the year they get like they go after a receiver in the middle of the season. I think that this is it's actually going to happen. Until then, Aaron Jones is going to be the top receiver on that team. I do think – I didn't watch the game, but I was I did stay in tune with the news and everything like that. I do think patience with Alan Lazard is important because he's the only receiver still there, obviously, just wide receiver. The only wide receiver there that – has any rapport with Rodgers. Did pretty well last year when he wasn't the wide receiver one. So patience with him. Scored a touchdown on limited snaps. So I think that was promising for owners and everything like that. Outside of that, the rookies still wait and see thing. Rodgers isn't one of those guys who's going to really work with you. If you're not performing, he's going to ghost you. Wait and see on those guys. On the other side, the Bears. What can we really say about the Bears? The Bears offense is a shit show. But the one bright spot who I think is finally starting to turn a corner and become more fantasy relevant. He was pretty good last year, but who's becoming starting to establish himself even more is David Montgomery. I might be sold on him now, honestly, as a solid fantasy running back, even with that terrible offense. What do you guys think about Montgomery? Yeah, I think right now he's the only relevant Chicago Bear in terms of fantasy. Darnell That's Mooney. the only relevant one in general, but... Yeah. Darnell Mooney was extremely underwhelming. Cole Komet threw up another bagel. Justin Fields, it's like they don't want him to throw the ball. It, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, Mon Montgomery, he looks good. Nine attempts for Fields in 55 minutes. 
That is unheard of in today's NFL. Unheard and they were losing the entire game, too. That's bad. Yeah, that makes no sense. Feel bad for those people that actually thought, obviously, it could still happen as the season progresses. Feel bad for those people who thought Darnell Mooney was going to be fantasy relevant. I almost kept him. Really glad yeah, I didn't. You did. Yeah, you did. All right. Yeah, let's just, about David Montgomery real quick. Let's, you know, last week, or I guess two games ago, was that monsoon game. Everyone scored low. So it was way too early to panic on anyone in that game, really. This was the game that showed, hey, you give me quality conditions, I can perform. And that's David Montgomery. So I think, yeah, he's a he's an RB2 in my book, but he's a high-volume RB2. So he's going to be bordering that line every week. So he's someone you want to target if you are in need of a running back. All right, guys, now that we're done talking about all the games, recapped all the games, went over all the relevant players and everything like that, now is time for everyone's favorite segment, Player Flank. So basically, since this is our first episode and no one really knows what it is, Player Flank is basically who had a really good week and who didn't have a good week. Flaming Yon, very good steak, flank steak, even though I like it, not quite as good. Think of flank as like a store-bought steak you'd find on the bottom shelf of the meat counter or something like that. So starting off, Paul, who was your filet of the week? Who had that breakout performance or just amazing performance that really stood out to you? So my filet is someone who I was very high on coming into this weekend. His name is Aaron Jones, running back for the Packers. He showed that he was a pivotal part of this offense. He showed why he deserves the ball, why they need to give him the ball. He put up 35 points. He looked fantastic on the ground, through the air. He was Aaron Rodgers' guy. He is my fresh cut filet mignon for the week. Nice. I like it. John, how about you? Who's that perfect steak that just really outperformed all the other ones this week? It's going to be Tua Tagovailoa. I've already talked pretty highly of him in this week's episode, but I'll just state it again. This guy is on the up and up in terms of quarterbacks. You want to find the guys that didn't have their breakout year last year. You want to find the guy that showed promise that he could do it this year. And he was given all the weapons. He showed that he could throw the ball to Jalen Waddle last year. And then you add in Tyreek Hill, it opens up the field even more. And we really saw that yesterday. Threw for f- almost 500 yards. He's the guy that you really want to hold on to. And if you were one of the guys or girls who drafted him at the, at the end of your redraft leagues, you're a lucky person today. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. And my filet of the week, the guy that I love to see. I have him on one of my teams, so I'm a little biased. And a guy who's maybe drafted a little higher than he normally would. And this year, he fell in drafts a little bit. And that's Nick Chubb, and he is outperforming that ADP right now by a mile. Very good this week. He even got involved in the passing game a little bit. My play of the week is Nick Chubb, 113 total yards, three receptions, two touchdowns, or no, excuse me, three touchdowns, actually, and put up 32 points in our main league. I think it's very noteworthy because people always know the split between him and Hunt, but I think this game and his week one performance is one of those things where you just look, the Browns are going to stay committed to the run and just roll with Nick Chubb all year. He'll be, he could potentially win you leagues, especially if you got him in the third round like I did. So 
Nick Chubb, my play of the week. Now we move on to those poopy steaks, those flanks of the week, those steaks you find on the grocery store shelves and you don't really like. So, John, start off with you. Who let you down the most this week? They didn't. He didn't let me down. He let the whole entire city of Denver down, and his name is Russell Wilson. Same with the quarterback. Like I, I know. I don't know what it is. I'm picking. It's just they stand out to me so much. The quarterback is supposed to be in control. The quarterback for the Denver Broncos was supposed to finally lead them to the playoffs and a championship for the first time in ten years. He's got tons of weapons, man. With Cortland Sutton and Judy, and you get Javante Williams, a young stud running back. It just seemed to make sense, and man, he almost got booed out of the city. Twitter was, you could, if you typed in Russell Wilson on Twitter, you were probably, if you're not super familiar with fantasy quite yet, you were probably confused as to why you're just seeing a bunch of shitty meals being posted on Twitter saying Russell Wilson cooked this. The reason for it is because <laughs> Russell Wilson is, wait, what was his line? Let Russ cook. It's, he he's not cook. He's cooking he's flanks. flanks. Yeah. Exactly. Can he play with Denver? And so far, it doesn't look like he can yet. I'm not saying he can't. He's a great quarterback. He can figure it out. But, geez, man, he was the flank of the week. All right. I like it. Staying with the quarterbacks. Paul, let me hear it. Who's your flank of the week? So I was going to say Matt Ryan, but I'm going to change mine up a bit. I'm going to go. He, Yeah. But since John did a quarterback, I'm going to go with Cole Komet, tight end for the Chicago Bears. Someone who came into this league looking at the number two guy in Chicago. He was considered a lock in that eighth, ninth, tenth round if you had not gone after a tight end already to be the guy you want, the guy you look for. I fell for it too. He's put up two bagels. He's like my order at THB on Saturdays. Two bacon, egg, and cheese bagels. Just I don't eat them myself, but I eat one of them. But, yeah, Cole Komet, horrendous. Sure. One target last night, I think maybe two targets the week before. Just he's droppable in all formats. I don't, I, he's gone, he's dead to me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the Bears will start letting fields throw and it'll get better as the season goes on. But I didn't know he had two bagels so far. But yeah, with that said, I think he's definitely droppable as well. Now, my flank of the week is. The one and only, the TikTok star himself. Borderline likes TikTok more than football. Juju Smith-Schuster. This guy was going in fourth, fifth round range, I believe. Top wide out on paper on the Kansas City Chiefs. And he did have a good week one. Didn't get in the end zone, but PPR-wise, he had a solid week one. This week, lays a complete egg. Three receptions for 10 yards. I will say exercise some patience. I think the Chiefs are testing things out, spreading the ball around to see who they can trust over the long haul of the season. But definitely for someone that you drafted in the top five rounds and someone that you expected to outperform that ADP on an explosive offense, definitely not something you want to see in week two, only getting 10 yards on an explosive offense. So Juju Smith-Schuster, my flank of the week. Yeah, Jackson Mahomes' best friend. (laughs) All right, guys. We're almost at the end of our first episode. Can't believe we're actually doing this. I'm still surprised. So since we're at the end, this is going to be a recurring thing throughout every episode. Our last segment is going to be rapid round. So pretty much I'm going to ask Paul and John 
very quick questions, and they're just going to give me answers. They don't know what's coming, so it's not pre-planned or anything like that. It's just going to be quick reactions and then giving their honest opinion. So start off the wraparound with first one. It's going to be quarterback versus quarterback battle. Are you going rest of schedule, Carson Wentz or Matt Stafford? Paul. Matt Stafford, yeah. Carson Wentz, two good games, but Stafford's Super Bowl winning quarterback. Okay. I'm going to go with Matt Stafford, too, just because he has big play availability with Cooper Cup. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. Next one. Panic or patience? This is a player we didn't really cover so much in the Dolphins-Ravens game for this particular reason. Panic or patience? Chase Edmonds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch the panic button with my little toe. That's what I'm going to do. Where... He, so if you got him in the eighth or ninth round, I wouldn't panic just yet. But if you did like him a lot and you did draft him high, Raheem Mostert did out-touch him this week. Chase Edmonds, he was supposed to be a PPR superstar. We're not seeing that in the passing game. Jalen Waddell and Tyree Killer just taking all of Tua's attention. I would hit the panic button just a little bit. Okay. John? I'm going to say patience with Chase Edmonds. This second game on a new team. Just... Pump the brakes a little bit. Quite honestly, I don't think it matters where you drafted him. Either way, he's on your team. I don't think that should decide whether you are panicking or being patient. So I'm going to stick with patience here. He was the first move of the offseason for the Dolphins for a reason. He's paid more than the other running backs for a reason. So just wait and see. I'm not saying he's an RB1, but he's not a must-drop or must-trade yet. Okay, I like it. All right, this next one. Joe Flacco, elite or not elite? elite? It's without a question. Joe Flacco is an elite king. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He was slinging the rock like he was 26 years old yesterday. Like we said before, I would rather have Joe Flacco as the Jets quarterback than Zach Wilson for fantasy purposes. And probably just if you want to win football games. Joe Flacco, elite, the GOAT. John? He's elite. (laughs) You want to say he's not because he's on the Jets and he's a backup, but he's not playing like it right now. And I'll be honest, if Garrett Wilson wasn't on that team, my answer would probably be different. But it's nice when a backup quarterback finds their guy. And it seems like Joe Flacco and Garrett Wilson had a great connection. Taking into consideration Joe Flacco's whole career and the fact that he's still performing now, granted against the Browns. But hey, I'll say he's elite for another week. Fuck it. I Don't like pick it. him up. Don't pick him up on the waiver wire. <laughs> Don't pick him up. Let's Don't go. Jets quarterback is elite. I like it. All right. <laughs> Moving on. This is our last rapid round of the night. And it's just off a game that just ended, actually. Panic or patience, Derrick Henry? Panic. I'm going to say panic. It's past his time. This is the Todd Gurley effect. You just wait and see. This is it. I'm I'm gonna have to go panic as well. You guys are I know, <laughs> but just looking at where he went in the draft this year, he was probably a top five, top six pick, and for him to only put up 25 yards last year, it didn't matter who Derrick Henry was playing. He was a force to be reckoned with, and without a touchdown this week, two points. He's, yeah, he's yeah. It's all right. I'm going to I'm going to be the different person here. I'm going to give my say. I am very lightly hitting the 
I'm not confident in this at all. And I hate saying it two weeks after the season because I always practice patience until if you're 0 4, it's tough, but like two weeks. But I'm going to say patience for now just because they played the Bills this week, rough game. The negative game script was happening before the game even started. Titans really didn't have a chance. So, considering his track record and everything like that, I think we got to give him a little more time. A couple more weeks and I'll be hitting the panic button. And if it's a couple more weeks and he's still putting up numbers like this, then probably I'm not going anywhere in fantasy in our league. We'll see with that. But that concludes the rapid rounds. So, as we all like to say, thank you for listening. You made it to the end of our final episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow, follow us on all platforms. We'll be back next Monday to recap week three, and then we'll do two episodes every week from there on out. So, again, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, and don't forget, don't root for injuries so you can pick up other players' backups on the waiver wire. That's fucked up. Yeah, don't do it, dude. You suck if you do. No if, one anyone's wants happy, if anyone's happy that Trey Lance got hurt, that's... Then you're a fuck nerd. Bad injuries coming your way. And I hope it doesn't happen. But now it's gonna happen. Alright, see you next time.